When a sitting senator offers a plan to rescue America, you'd think it was good news. Sure, the opposition might attack the plan, but you wouldn't expect that the majority leader in your own party would tell you to sit down and shut up. That's especially true if the plan involved all the things your party is supposed to stand for. Republican Rick Scott from Florida, the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, he offered a plan and was immediately attacked by Democrats and Republican leadership alike, especially Senator Mitch McConnell. Join me in the Economic War Room where we will dissect Senator Scott's plan. Is it good or bad for America? And how will it impact you? The American people are exhausted with career politicians who tell you what to be against but never really share what they are for. It's a pleasant surprise when a politician does the opposite. In 1994, for example, people were fed up with Bill Clinton's liberalism, and Newt Gingrich offered a contract with America that won both the House and Senate. Newt became a hero for Republicans and was made Speaker of the House so he could enact the plan. Here we are almost 30 years later, and Senator Rick Scott has offered a plan to rescue America. He sees what you see. Our nation's liberty is degrading rapidly and our economy is on a collision course with disaster. The D.C. elites don't want to talk about those things. On the far left, they love the direction we're headed. They just want to move faster. And the Republican leadership like Mitch McConnell, they don't want to talk about the ways to fix things. They want to keep complaining about what's wrong and offering no solutions because they don't want to offend people. Both sides are playing the political game, and their vitriolic response to the Rescue America plan got me intrigued. The more I dove into it, the more I liked it. And I think the elites don't want you to know about it because they fear that you'll like it too. The plan has 11 points, and we'll walk through each of them. We'll try to evaluate both sides of the argument, and then I'll share my opinion on each. You may not agree with all 11 points, but I'll bet you agree with most of them. And I'm certain you'll agree it's better to discuss them than just to silence Senator Scott. We'll produce an economic battle plan that covers all the points and provides additional information on each. And at the end of this episode, I'll tell you how to get a free copy. By the way, you can follow along with Senator Scott's rescue plan at the website rescueamerica.com. Let's start at the beginning, point number one in the 11-point plan. Senator Scott says, our kids will say the Pledge of Allegiance, salute the flag, learn that America is a great country, and choose the school that best fits them. We will inspire patriotism and stop teaching revisionist history of the radical left. Our kids will learn about the wisdom of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Founding Fathers. Public schools will focus on the three R's, not indoctrinate children with critical race theory or any other political ideology. Good idea or bad idea? Let's be honest. Teaching kids to hate America is bad all the way around. It empowers our enemies and it hurts the kids who won't even try to benefit from the American dream because they're so against it. Of course, we should teach honest history. Don't cover up America's failings, but don't gloss over the power of liberty. Our schools have been indoctrinating students and that's why polls show they prefer socialism and even communism. They have no idea how destructive those ideologies are. Let's drill down further on Senator Scott's view. Here are just a few of the bullet points. He says, we will enact equal opportunity in education, school choice. So no child will be sent to a failing school simply because of their zip code. We will open our schools to parents. Parents must have the right to know what their children are being taught, who is teaching them, and which organizations are receiving school contracts. The FBI, 
DOJ and all government entities will be expressly forbidden from intimidating parents who dare speak their minds at school board meetings. Public schools will teach our children to love America because while not perfect, it is exceptional. It is good and it's a beacon of freedom in an often dark world. No child will be inherently taught that they are racist because of the color of their skin or that some Americans are oppressors or others are oppressed. It will be America's goal to teach to be number one in the world teaching math and science by 2030. Some of his points may be controversial, but most of the plan aligns with the views of a majority of Americans, especially American parents. Here's the problem. Those who pay for the schools are we the people. Those who run the schools are the bureaucrats and teachers unions. They have the power and are intent on forcing their views on the next generation. From my view, point number one looks solid for Rick Scott. How about point number two, colorblind equality? The plan says government will never again ask American citizens to disclose their race, ethnicity, or skin color on any government form. We're going to eliminate racial politics in America. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that what Dr. King espoused in the 1960s, that we want to talk about the content of character, not the color of skin? This runs contrary to the new Marxist orthodoxy of critical race theory. How would the plan be implemented? Well, there are a few bullet points, like removing the box that says you have to check and say what your background is, your ethnicity or your skin color. It uh, removes government policies based on race or ethnicity. It says the military will engage in zero diversity training, teachings on critical race theory and woke ideology. This is the bottom line. He wants to eliminate all that nonsense. Government will base hiring decisions on qualifications, not quotas. America will strive to be equal opportunity for everyone, not guaranteeing equal outcomes. This, of course, is the best way to eliminate racial preference. It was Dr. King's dream. The opposite is our nightmare. I vote yes on point two. Point three is about safety and crime. Senator Scott says the soft on crime days of coddling criminal behavior will end. We will refund and respect the police because they are not the they are the good guys, not the criminals. We'll enforce our laws, all of them, and increase penalties for theft and violent crime. I agree with that. We've heard so much about defund the police, and it never made sense. Yes, we should stop overzealous and illegal police enforcement, but the answer is not to simply tolerate crime. Here are the critical bullet points. Bring back respect for people who put their lives on the line to keep us safe. Eliminate no-knock warrants in any case that does not involve violent crime. Increase penalties for spousal abuse and failure to pay child support. Enact Marcy's Law, which ensures victims of crimes have rights and constitutional protections equal to those who commit crimes. We'll oppose every attempt to deny the Second Amendment. Now, do you agree or disagree? I like the balance between defending police, protecting victims, and preserving individual liberties. No one wants to live in a police state, but no one wants to live where criminals roam free either. Now, we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to drill down on the rest of the plan and how it might impact you. We've covered the first three points in Senator Rick Scott's Rescue America plan. Now, let's turn to point number four, immigration. Here's what it says. Nations have borders. We should give that a try. President Trump's plan to build a wall was right. We welcome those who want to join us in building the American dream. Immigrants who want to be Americans, not change America. We're a stronger nation because we're a nation of immigrants, but immigration without assimilation makes us weaker. 
Politicians from both parties talk big about border security and do nothing. We're done with that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? A lot of people say they want open borders, but they haven't even considered or don't care about the consequences. Most Americans are compassionate, but know that if America is overrun, there won't be any liberty left to protect, let alone to share. Funny how politicians are more worried about the Ukrainian border with Russia than our own borders. Here are some comments that were made by Senator Scott. He said, no one will enter without our permission. We lock our doors at night, not because we hate the people on the outside, but because we love the people on the inside and want to keep them safe. Many potential immigrants love America. Those who do not will not be allowed to come here. This is our country, and no one has a right to come to America. Immigrants will not be eligible to collect unemployment benefits or welfare for the first seven years after arriving in the U.S. We will strip all federal funding from sanctuary cities and prosecute any elected officials who flout our immigration laws. We oppose cultural segregation. We believe in the melting pot, where people from many backgrounds go all in on becoming Americans, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. As long as we apply the principle of being colorblind from point number three, this policy should not be viewed as racist but some will claim that it is. I, for one, think it makes good sense. We should welcome immigrants from all backgrounds as long as they want to contribute to and participate in the American dream. Otherwise, if you don't want to be part of America, find a land that suits you. Where I come from, we say, don't California my Texas. After all, when people leave where they live in search of a better life, it makes no sense to remake your new home just like the one you had to leave. I think point number four is balanced and workable. So let's turn to point number five, economy and growth. The plan says socialism is un-American and always leads to poverty and oppression. We will stop it. We will shrink the federal government, reduce the government workforce by 25% in five years, sell government buildings and assets, and get rid of the old, slow, closed, top-down, government-run everything system we have today. Let me start by saying that I 100% agree. Free economies perform better. Truly free economies correct the maldistribution of wealth problem. It's crony capitalism with big governments that caused the problems. Socialism and communism only lead to misery. The historical record is quite clear on this. Senator Scott says socialism will be treated as a foreign combatant which aims to destroy our prosperity and freedom. Yes! We will apply the do-it-better test. If American business can serve the American people better and cheaper than government... The work goes to them. No government assistance unless you are disabled or aggressively seeking work. If you can work but refuse to work, you cannot live off the hard work and sweat of your fellow Americans. We'll balance the federal budget. It can be done. States do it all the time. Expedite all federal permit applications to be granted or denied within 30 days. All Americans should pay some income tax to have skin in the game, even if a small amount. Currently, over half of Americans pay no income tax. Basically, this is a plan for fiscal responsibility. We can't run outrageous deficits forever, regardless of what modern monetary theory says. Hidden in those points, however, is one that has half of Washington, D.C. upset. They're screaming, Senator Scott wants to raise taxes. Does the plan call for tax hikes? Well, yes, in a sense. You see, a large percentage of Americans pay no income tax. They vote to soak the rich, even though they themselves have no skin in the game. This plan would seek to end welfare for anyone who would work instead. 
And it would require that all Americans pay at least something toward our government. With as much debt as we have, it only makes sense. I know I've always valued the things I have a little bit more if I share in the cost. If my parents paid for something and I was asked to contribute even a small percentage of that, I'd make sure we got the best deal and I took better care of it and I valued it. That's good stewardship. I think that's so-called liability is actually a benefit. Most Americans would rather see a stable and growing economy than get freebies that will run out when the economy collapses. Most are willing to pitch in and help. Let's think the best of our fellow Americans and let them do their part instead of making them feel like they're all freeloaders. Point number six is about government reform and debt. It states, many government agencies should be either moved out of Washington or shuttered entirely. Yesterday's old government is fundamentally incompatible with the digital era. The permanent ruling class in Washington is bankrupting us with inflation and debt, so they must be removed. For you to have more, Washington must have less. Wow! I agree completely. COVID taught us that you can work remotely. Do we really need every agency and bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. constantly begging the Congress for more? And what about the lobbyists? We make it so cushy and easy for them. Maybe we should make them travel across all of America to pitch their agenda. Otherwise, D.C. becomes like District 1 in Hunger Games. All the power concentrated, sucking the life out of all the rest of us. If the bureaucracy that rules had to live among us peons, maybe they'd better understand the challenges we face. I agree with that idea. Let's move them out of the beltway. This plan has a whole bunch of bullet points, so I'll just share a couple. Forbid politicians from becoming lobbyists and cashing in. I love that. If government fails to comply with the law, citizens have the right to sue them to force them to comply. No government employee can make more than five times the national median income of individual. We will bar the federal government from using your tax dollars for their advertising campaigns. That's returning power to the people. This will only be possible, though, if we enact point number seven to ensure fair, fraud-free elections. Reading from Senator Scott, today's Democratic Party is trying to rig the elections and pack the courts because they've given up on democracy. We've covered this a lot in the economic war room. I totally agree. We've got to have free elections, lots of people participating, but fraud free. Don't allow the radical left to destroy our democracy by institutionalizing dishonesty and fraud. We need clean elections. Now, let's review another controversial point, number eight the family. Here's what it says. The nuclear family is crucial to civilization. It is God's design for humanity, and it must be protected and celebrated. To say otherwise is to deny science. The fanatical left seeks to devalue and redefine their traditional family as they undermine parents and attempt to replace them with government programs. We will not allow socialism to place the needs of the state ahead of the family. You may disagree, but I doubt it. We should strengthen, not weaken families. This also means preserving and defending life and parental rights. We must protect our children. This plan is pro-family, and they sum it up by saying families are crucial in raising young men and women of character and responsible members of society. The best form of governing our society is not government, it's family. I must say, science and history are in strong agreement. We need to take another break. When we return, we'll go through the rest of the points and share how you can take action. We're reviewing Senator Rick Scott's 11-point plan to rescue America. We've covered eight points so far and all have merit. So let's look at number nine, which is clearly controversial. Here's what it says. Men and women are biologically different. Male and female, he created them. 
Now, before YouTube gives me a strike for that one, consider I'm merely quoting the Rick Scott plan, which is simply quoting the Bible. Look at the context. Isn't it sad I have to say that? Let me read the rest of the point. Modern technology has confirmed that abortion takes a human life. Facts are facts. The earth is round, the sun is hot, there are two genders, and abortion stops a beating heart. To say otherwise is to deny science. It's okay to have a discussion that involves one's deeply held beliefs and also historically proven medical science, isn't it? Or is the debate over before we even are allowed to discuss it? Again, I'm reading from a political plan authored by a sitting U.S. senator, and here are his points. Abortion kills human children. To deny that is to deny science. Whether you believe in God or not, as a civilized people who accept science, we must protect babies, born and unborn, from all acts of violence. All government policies will favor having more babies adopted, not aborted. Humans are born male and female. There are two genders, and to deny that is to deny science. Again, I'm quoting the plan. No government forms will include questions about gender identity or sexual preference. No doctor will be allowed to perform irreversible surgical or gender-altering procedures on any minor child. Once they become adults, they can do what they want. We will protect women's sports by banning biological males from competing. It is hugely unfair and would erase many of the gains women have made in athletics over the last 50 years. Shall we call that hate speech or is it science? You can decide for yourself, but as for me and my house, well, I believe the Bible, human tradition, and science. Senator Scott is willing to put in front and center a part of his plan these thoughts. No wonder the deep state establishment opposes him so much. Senator Scott's point number 10 gets right to the heart of another issue. I just shared that YouTube would like to ban his views on life and sexuality. That introduces number 10, religious liberty and big tech. Here's what he says. He says, the Democrat Party and their big tech allies are not merely secular. They have virtually created a new religion of wokeness that is increasingly hostile toward people of faith, particularly Christians and Jews. They're determined to drive all mentions of God out of public view. We will not be silenced, canceled, or told what's wor- which words we can use by the politically correct crowd. Now that's bold. It also seems quite valid. Here is drill down points. Americans will not be required to go against their core values and beliefs in order to conform to the culture or government. We will reject both the roots and adherence of cancel culture in America. Every American will be free to live out their religious convictions in the public square, not only in the home and not just in places of worship. We will forbid government programs from discriminating against the 350,000 religious entities which operate schools, pregnancy resource centers, soup kitchens, drug addiction programs, homeless shelters, and adoption agencies. All social media platforms that censor speech and cancel people will be treated like publishers and subject to legal action. We will require big tech platforms like Facebook and Twitter to receive express consent not as a condition of use, before using Americans' personal information in any manner and make it simple for users to opt out. Big tech platforms will also be required to obtain user consent to sell, share, or convey user data to a third-party entity. No tax dollars will be used to pay for any diversity training or other woke indoctrination that is hostile to faith. Churches and faith 
based groups will not be forced to hire employees who disagree with their tenants and convictions. We will stop investing federal retirement dollars with woke fund managers and companies that put left-wing politics ahead of profits. Wow. Stop right there. Basically, Senator Scott's plan would put an end to federal funding of the ESG movement. That is huge. As we explained, woke investing, a.k.a. ESG, is cramming progressive ideologies down the American throat with the power and support of government. The government's paying and protecting big tech and media to enforce their views in a sick sort of pact that denies Americans basic freedoms found in the First Amendment. The plan would make a priority to stop that. What's more, the power would be returned to the people. No more overt political oppression. I'm completely in favor. We can't allow a public-private partnership to execute a wholesale hostile takeover of our nation. Whatever government is in charge next must reverse the dangerous course we're on and return power to the people as our Constitution provides. Now, final point number 11 is basically America first. Here's what it says. America will be dependent on no other country. We will conduct no trade that takes away jobs or displaces American workers. Countries who oppose us at the U.N. will get zero financial help from us. We will be energy independent and build supply chains that never rely on our adversaries. We will only help countries that are willing to defend themselves, like Israel. Here are some of the subpoints. We will unapologetically lead the world by example. A world without American leadership would be a very dark world indeed. Adhere to the New Monroe Doctrine. America will not allow any global enemy, such as China, Russia, or radical Islam, to grow their presence in our hemisphere. No foreign aid to countries that habitually oppose us at the UN. We will not pay dues to the United Nations or any international organization that undermines the national interests of the USA. We will make our international allies pay for their fair share of their own defense. We will not send our kids to do what their kids will not do. Our military will not be used as a peacekeeping force. It exists to protect us by intimidating or killing our enemies. Nation building does not work. We will not waste our treasure or troops doing it. We will always defend our allies, starting with Israel. We'll treat our enemies like enemies. No adversarial foreign government or corporation controlled by an adversarial foreign government can purchase American land. And the weather is always changing. We'll take climate change seriously, but not hysterically. We will not adopt nutty policies that harm our economy or our jobs. We'll gradually end all imports from communist China until a new regime honors basic human rights and freedoms. We will build supply chains that rely on American workers and allies. We will not be at the mercy of our enemies for medications or essential commodities. We'll terminate any trade deal that takes away American jobs. America will be energy independent. I read every single bullet point from number 11 because they strike at the heart of economic warfare. The plan is solid. It strengthens America. It steers us away from disaster. I reached out to Senator Scott to see if he'll come into the economic war room to discuss his plan, but I wanted you to start your homework on it in advance. The plan is already being trashed by the establishment, including Democrats and Republican leadership. Don't listen to their noise. Read the plan for yourself either on this website or in our free economic battle plan for this episode. You can get your copy at economicwarroom.com. What I like most about this plan is it addresses the threat to our money, our livelihood, and our way of life. It tackles the big issues that we've covered week after week. 
Remember, we introduced Rosemary Gibson, who warned almost all of our medication is made in communist China. The plan addresses that. Remember our episodes on voter fraud and insecure election. The plan addresses that. Remember meeting with Kelly Shackerford regarding religious liberty. The plan addresses that. It deals with big tech. It deals with Chinese IP theft. It deals with ESG and woke investing. It deals with bad education and critical race theory. It is really remarkable in its breadth and simplicity. And yet, those in Washington, D.C., big tech and media don't want you reading it. They've trashed it without even linking to it. We're going to make Senator Scott aware of all of this and what the economic war room does that. We're in a global economic war. We have real enemies, both foreign and domestic. They want to fundamentally change America. Let's not let them do it. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.